The following opinions and ideas are that of the host and or contributors of the Eat This podcast and are for the purposes of general information and entertainment only and do not necessarily reflect the thoughts or ideas of the distributor. Broadcasting to the world from inside her closet and high above the streets of Toronto, this is Eat This with Leanne. Here's your host, registered nutritionist, Leanne Philipson. You know when you walk by a bakery and smell, oh, that freshly baked bread, it just oozes out of the door as someone opens, walks out with their bag of you know, combined flour, butter, eggs, and sugar into some sort of bread. Maybe it's a scone, a donut, or whatever happens to have taken your fancy and drew you in there in that first place. That smell. Ugh, I sometimes I wonder, do they are they pumping it out? What do you think, Chris? Do they have like a fan putting all that baking smell like right out there? You've got your nose up in the air on my Zoom yeah, screen. What? Are, you just, are you just imagining it all? Yeah, I'm just living <laughs> in whatever this world that you're talking about. I'm I'm there right now. I've got a nice hot cup of coffee. I'm sitting at the windows looking out over the street somewhere in Paris, oh, I think. As the nice. bakery uh, makes my nice chocolate scone for me mm-hmm. fresh out of the oven. Yeah, So, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Consider me not here. I'm technically, I'm not here. (laughs) It's your fault for describing the whole thing right off the top. (laughs) Just took it to a whole other place. Awesome. Oh, I can remember coming home from school to the smell of freshly baked cookies and just heading straight for that cookie jar. And I do think we all have those moments, those memories that are just, and attachments to all different types of foods. But there's something about baked goods that somehow just hits, I don't know, some other level of comfort. Uh, Maybe it's stoked and and cemented in you from what your parents did, your grandparents or a caregiver or someone special in your life. I think it's like it's love and hugs and, ugh, I don't know. You know what I'm talking about. That's why Chris just zoned out there. In that world of eat this and in my nutrition practice, picking up the freshly baked butter tarts, the donuts, the brownies, the cakes, or the fresh bread, it can tip the scale a little more towards that, you know, help uh, disaster. Not necessarily full on disaster. It really depends on what else is going on. So that's a bit of a strong word now that I'm saying it. I may I may be lying on the floor having a heart attack, but I'm happy. That's right. But my belly is full of that good baked stuff. Of course, there's all the refined sugar that that just messes up your blood sugar stability and insulin sensitivity. We talked about that before, the insulin resistance with your high blood pressure. Well, that's just not a great connection there. And it's tough to avoid all the sugars, especially once you start eating them, because once you start having them, we know, we know, we know that your brain just keeps telling you, 
have more, you want more. And, you know, whereas a teaspoon would have done it now it's gotta be a teaspoon tablespoon. And then it it just kind of keeps on going on. Then there's those who are gut sensitive to gluten, to maybe dairy, to eggs, the gas, the bloating, the IBS symptoms, the diarrhea, the constipation, or even just not having your clothes, maybe your jeans or your skirt or whatever you've worn in the morning, just not fit by the end of the day. Well, that totally sucks. Then there's a typical weight gain from the sweet treats. They come in the house and you just don't have the willpower to not go towards them. Or if you do, it's hard to limit them and just have one. There's filling you up on, filling your body also up and your belly up on foods that don't pack a nutrient punch, unless maybe you've got like scones that are laced with blueberries, let's say, you know, you don't often see those kind of things happening. And sometimes if you think, oh, I'll just choose the answer to eat all the colors, so I'll choose the pastry with the raspberry in the middle or the cherry in the middle. And hey, that's some colors. So yeah, she's, you know, I got it. I got this. I'm listening to Leanne. (laughs) This is how it goes. (laughs) Oh, but oh my gosh. I mean, you know that I love shortbread. I've talked about this so many times on this podcast. And I do get the love of bakery, the love of baked foods, but there has to be a healthier way. There has to be a way for us to enjoy the taste, the experience, and still get that hug without the guilt, without the shame. Just there does has there to be have something to be, better. Does there have to be though? Can we not just enjoy the one, this one thing? You know, I I yep. get that the whole point of this podcast and the whole yep. point of you being here is to make yep. our lives better with better choices and better foods. But can we not just have this one thing, Leanne? Just one. I don't ask for this one. You can, but it's not just one. (sighs) Okay, two. The ice cream. It's the brownies that go along (laughs) next to the ice cream. And then because you had that sugar, then you want the more sugar. I'm not trying to rain on your tasty parade. I I promise. I know. It's just where you can. Do, do better and where you can't go and enjoy it, but don't feel guilty about it. I spoke with a client this past week and she said, I'm eating these things and I feel so guilty. I went, if you're going to have it, love it, enjoy it, you know, put it in your mouth and feel all the feels and just enjoy it. And that's okay. And you know, I always say that I always have that balance to life, but when you're doing it all the time, that's when you still want to enjoy, but make it better. So there's kind of two camps going on here. Now, while baking is not necessarily a passion or a favorite topic of mine, I've heard from my clients all the time that, you know, this is just like you said, Chris, it's a part of your life and they don't want to let go. So with a view to make the best of your baked goods, a vegan pastry chef, she reached out and asked if we could have a chat about some plant-based or vegan baking. Now, I myself am unaware of how all of those things go together, other than I did actually make a scone once that uh, were vegan, and I used coconut milk, I believe, for it, and they were actually better than the butter ones, I have to say it. So I think that there's some potential here, and I just thought, well, yeah, okay, let's have a chat. Let's see what you've got to say. So today on Eat This with Leanne, a chat with a vegan pastry chef and answers to my questions as a non baker really about the health benefit why on earth would you give up butter if it was a choice you know i've never really told you not to have it and how on earth to substitute eggs 
butter, the typical things in your baking, but then also like, why bother? No, I'm not a baker. It's not my zone of genius. I can bake, but I'm someone who, despite my perfectionism, gets really annoyed when a fluffy cake ends up like as dense as a plank of wood. It just sometimes doesn't go well. And I just got cheesed off with it, I think, at a young age. Now I can cook and throw a meal together with just about anything that has, you know, not so much of a margin for error. And with baking, I just don't find it to be the same. Now, I've made a lot of my mom's recipes as she was a baker. And I think I just like it skipped me. It got to my sister and I passed it on to my eldest daughter who loves to bake. But it's kind of just not my thing. Maybe it's fiddly, but also maybe it's because I know that I don't do well with uh, wheat flour and with gluten. Remember, that was confirmed by the DNA company's test results that we went over in episode 111. So I've kind of just steered my eating away from most baked goods other than occasional baguettes and, of course, my shortbread. Now, someone whose zone of genius is baking is pastry chef Fran Kostkin. She's an internationally recognized as the innovative pioneering pastry chef who marries healthy eating with sumptuous tastes. There's even something called a Fran factor, which is her unique ability to transform traditional desserts into modern, healthful vegan desserts that satisfies vegans and omnivores, really. So you could probably just put this on the table and tell everybody to have at it and not give them any more details. In Fran's recipes, nothing is missing except the dairy, eggs, and white sugar. All right, loyal listeners, let's find out how we too can achieve such heights in the kitchen as Fran, who's also a culinary instructor, she's a cookbook author, she's a consultant, and she is now a Ruby director of vegan pastry. Well, welcome to Eat This with Leanne Fran. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and how on earth did you come up being a vegan baker or actually vegan pastry chef? Is that the right term? Am I calling you the right? I will take any of it. And thank you for having (laughs) me, Leanne. I'm just so happy to be here. Well, let me say that my mother didn't like to cook at all. So there was no baked goods and there was Kraft macaroni and cheese was a big treat in our house. And so were TV dinners. And she gave me permission to say this. But I was I was what you would call an obedient little girl. (laughs) I did what my parents said but I could not swallow milk. I just couldn't. And my mother's elegant (laughs) way of getting dairy into me, because I'm sure that the pediatrician said the kid needs dairy, was to give me ice cream for breakfast. (laughs) Seriously. I'm going to need the name of that pediatrician, please. (laughs) Yes, I've heard that before. So, you know, did that set me up? I don't know. But I just, you know, I didn't know why I couldn't tolerate the taste and it gave me a stomachache. So I was pretty much a stay-at-home mom for until my kids were early preteen. And by that time, I had started traveling and I just noticed that I was so interested in food Hmm. wherever I went. I wanted to go to the markets. I wanted to know how things were made. And I always looked at the dessert menu first. That said, I eat a quite a healthful diet. I balance it out. When my kids were like 
10, 11, 12, something like that, I went to professional culinary school. I went to the New York restaurant school because I just was so interested in food and I loved it. Clearly, I was older than most people in my cohort, but I just I just really loved it. And then to my great happiness and surprise, I got a job working as a pastry chef in the traditional pastry shop. This is well over 25 years ago. Wow. And so I had my dream job. I loved the work. My boss liked me. The customers liked me. But these stomach aches that had really plagued me my whole life were getting worse and worse and worse. So I had to leave, actually, which it just it felt awful to do that. Right. I went and did something completely different. But on a trip to Palm Springs, I happened to go into a bookstore looking for what you would call like one of those, you know, quick summer reads, pool, poolside right. books. And I picked up a book by Dr. Emery Colbin called Food and Healing. I'm a lifelong New Yorker. I moved to Philly five years ago, but I was in New York and I thought, how did Dr. Colbin have this school called the Natural Gourmet Institute in New York? And I don't know a thing about it. So I read the book and you know, what she said makes sense. Mm-hmm. What you eat, depend. <laughs> it's how you feel. And we're all yep. bio-individual, which I absolutely believe. Okay. So overnight, I changed my diet and I'm thinking, well, I'm going to give up dairy. It's the dairy. I'm lactose intolerant. So many people are lactose intolerant. We didn't talk about it as much then. Right. Without really making a conscious decision, I gave up all animal foods overnight. And I felt so good. (laughs) My stomach aches went away. My allergies, I had congestion. My allergies went away. My weight stabilized. And I felt, I never felt, you know, people say, well, what do you eat? (laughs) I never felt a lack. I felt like my food choices just expanded because there are so many plant foods. There just are. So I was having a great time, except I wasn't eating dessert because what was in the marketplace at the time, if you like things that were brown or gray or dry or gummy or dry and gummy at the same time, you were set. (laughs) I'm pretty sure, wait a minute, I'm pretty sure that's the four major food groups, isn't it? Brown, gray, dry, and gummy. Isn't that what they taught us in school? (laughs) Maybe for some, for some unfortunate folks. So um, what happened was I thought, well, you know, fruit, baked apples, whatever, because there was nothing. And as a trained chef, I would rely on books, formulas, and the very few books that I found. There was, you know, we're going back to the olden days. Be like, <laughs> use a cup of maple sugar or a cup of barley malt. You don't have to be a trained chef to know, well, I don't know, that's thick liquid, that's granulated, this has a different taste and so on. It's not going to work. So I didn't know what to do, but my son solved it. So my son said he was getting time for his birthday. And he said, mom, you're not putting a candle in a sweet potato and telling me that's my birthday cake. (laughs) (laughs) That is how I launched. I really set up like a pastry lab, went back to foundational technique. I said, okay, I know how to do it, but I have to understand the vegan sweeteners. I mean, you know, if you think about what people will say to me, well, what do you use to make a cake? Flour is yep. and cocoa powder, chocolate. We didn't have the breadth of um, ingredients that are available today. 
there was no vegan butter. There was this really smelly, hydrogenated mm-hmm. margarine. Yep. So I got a job at a like a macrobiotic restaurant as a pastry chef. And I thought, and I was told I had to make the recipes that, you know, were given to me in a folder. And one right. of them was a chocolate cake. Okay. The chocolate cake had tofu in it. Um, it was a little heavy. The glaze had this smelly, because it the hydrogenated margarine of old, really, it's no. disgusting. I mean, well, it's trans you, fat you, too. It's just it's trans fat. Nobody was really talking about it then, but just ew. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought I can do better than this. And I thought historically, you know, so I wasn't going to use butter. I mean, today there's vegan butter and all that kind of stuff. I had a choice between soy milk and rice milk. That was it. Yeah. Um, but I just thought, you know, back during the Depression and wartime, there were what were called these accidentally vegan cakes. It's still a very popular cake. I mean, I've seen it on the King Arthur website. People have been sending me rest, you know, like dated 1975, this magic cake and so on. And so I just made it a little better. But basically, it's when you use chemical leavening, like baking soda, vinegar, you're going to get your cake is going to rise and be pretty delicious. That's what happened. I wanted to do better than that, you know, right. as a because I was coming from the pastry chef world and I would never put something out there and I wouldn't want someone to say that's good for what it is, you know? Right, <laughs> right, right. Because I think like, that's I think that's very typical, though, isn't it? Where people would say, "Oh, yeah, it's not quite the same," and right. and that's what piqued my curiosity to talk to you is, you know, a vegan pastry chef. That really means that you've honed your craft, and you know, I mean, I haven't eaten any of your cakes or cookies or anything like that, but I'm sure it's going to unfold in this interview. Is People have such sort of attachment to their baked goods. There's yes. some emotional thing when you bite in that cookie, or you know, for me it's shortbread and oh, and and mm. and when when you do, or you know, a British scone from when I would have afternoon tea with my mom and those kind of things. And then you go and eat, you know, a sort of an alternative or what's healthier alternative. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, really? Why bother? It's just so disappointing. That's an issue for sure. Mm. So I think there's two things to talk about. But before I do, I want to tell you. So I've developed this finally, you know, when you're recipe testing, you can only change one thing at a time. I mean, you can tell pretty right away when it's I don't I'm not about food waste. I try to save everything. If a cake is pretty good, but not good enough, I'll make crumbs or something. But sometimes that just didn't work. So I'm testing and testing. And I had a bunch of conventional eaters. I didn't know any vegans. One day I get this chocolate cake that I'd been working on and my taste testers who were not vegan or plant-based, they start jumping around the room and saying, this is a chocolate cake to live for. So that's the name of my cake. That was my breakthrough cake. It's still my most requested cake. And some really big names in the pastry world have tasted this cake and go, that's a really good cake. And it was made with, you know, nothing weird. I don't believe in, I mean, I'm not a person that's going to say to you, chocolate is a bean, so it's a salad. You know, right. desserts are treats, but I don't use any weird or fake or artificial ingredients. So that was it. And from there, I just kept 
testing and testing and going and going. And it was pretty exciting. It was very exciting. If someone says to me, and this happens, so it's not if, when someone says to me, you know, I'm gluten-free, I won't use any sugar at all, any sweetener at all. I don't use oil, you know, the whole food, plant-based, no oil contingent. Mm -hmm. I will guide them to making a poached pear or a baked apple or a fruit gel with agar instead of, you know, a cake that's going to be very, or a cookie that's going to be very disappointing. I don't think that that's a good idea. But when people say, you know, oh, I don't want to taste that beautiful cake because it's vegan. And I think I've had some conventional desserts that tasted pretty bad. Yes. Going through all the taste testing, I love how you said that you, you know, kind of set up this, I can just imagine like a chemistry studio type of thing or, you know, going on as you're figuring out how to not use eggs or butter or or milk. So when people say to you, so what on earth do you eat or what do you cook with as a, a vegan pastry chef, then what are the number one substitutes or the number, the, the three substitutes that you use for those? Yeah, well, that's a really good question because I, I mean, from you, because I get those questions all the time. Yeah. So the answer is we have ingredients available to us today when we don't want to use dairy, eggs, or butter right. or white sugar. Right. Um, yes. You have to know, you have to know what you're making and you have to learn the properties of everything. So from dairy milk, That is so easy to replace. I make a couple of assumptions. I assume that people will be soy avoiders. I'm not. I've been eating organic soy for 25 years. I like it. I think in its whole form, it's good, but I have to make that assumption. And I'm going to assume that people are allergic to nuts. So that's going to leave out soy milk and it's going to leave out almond milk, cashew milk, all the nut milks, which are wonderful. Right. Oat milk has really been a wonderful milk to use for making desserts or making all foods because I haven't yet. I wonder if you have found anyone. I mean, I'm sure there's somebody who's allergic to oats who can use one of the other milks. Yeah. I haven't come across that. No. Yeah. Oat milk has enough protein and enough richness. It's Fairly slightly sweet. I have a favorite brand that's oatly, but you know, any nice oat milk will work in place of dairy milk. And then in terms of creams, can add more fat to the oat milk to do that. There are some vegan creams on the market as well. Mm-hmm. So that's not a problem. You know, you've got oat milk, soy milk, almond milk, cashew milk, hemp yep. milk, I think is a little grassy for desserts. Yeah. Um, what about coconut milk? Coconut milk and coconut milk beverage would be used like oat milk, but canned coconut milk is the ingredient that has the fat that's most equivalent to whipping cream. Mm. So that's something to consider, but we don't necessarily want everything to taste like coconut. There are ways to undo that. Um, cat making cashew cream, just soaking raw unsalted cashews in some water mm-hmm. until they're softened and draining them and using a little bit of water. Or I have a vanilla pastry cream that I make using cashew. Mm-hmm. That's really rich that I like using very much coconut milk for sure. 
as people are moving on to this, do you find that there's also the transition? Because as soon as you said about cashew, I know it's easy to purchase cashew cheese, for instance. And, yeah. you know, I've taken that to, um, you know, put it on a charcuterie board and said, okay, so this is one's a little different. And then, of course, because everyone is like put cheese in their mouth and then they go to the cashew, then they're like, um, you know, there's a lot of analysis going on in the mouth and that in those moments. But if you have like a whole dessert that then also has a cashew cream on it, it really it's an experience unto itself. It's not just saying here, try whipping cream versus coconut cream. It can be different. That's been my experience. Chris, because I know, Chris, you've got, you've tried a few different alternatives because your wife does a lot of baking too. Yeah, she bakes sort of two different ways. She bakes for what she can withstand, which is more of a vegan side of of, of, of baking. Uh, and then she bakes for the rest of the family, <laughs> which include the cow's milk and includes the butter and all of that stuff. So, I mean, she doesn't have to do that. I've told her a million times, it's okay. You know what? We'll, we'll, we'll eat the the vegan stuff if it's good <laughs> yeah that's it if it's good if it's, if it's good. good yeah and she's, I, th- she's I think trying. you guys need to take my 90 day essential vegan desserts course my the cash the vanilla pastry cream that is made with a soaked cashew base and coconut yep. milk organic cane sugar vegan cane sugar and vanilla there is no taste of cashew it's just this rich creamy cream that you can do a lot of different things with. I can fill a chart with it, you know, by playing with the proportion of agar, which is a seaweed mm-hmm. equivalent to gelatin, yep. some starch or gums. I made it when I was in LA visiting my son and his family and they're very, very particular palates. They like good food. My daughter-in-law said, stop everything. Let's market this cream. So really what we're saying over and over again is you, if you learn the right technique, there shouldn't be any difference. In terms of the cashew cheeses, there are so many now. Yeah. Some are better than others. That's all there is to it. Yeah. There is a cheesemaker in Philadelphia, Conscious Cultures Creamery, that is doing, it's like a camembert. Mm-hmm. It, for me, it was easier just not to have cheese because I like those stinky cheeses. Oh, yeah. Yeah. His is unbelievable. So it's a matter of, you know, of finding them. I, for for a really long time, I mean, and it fits in what we're saying. I would, I learned not to say, try this vegan dessert. You're not going to believe what's not in it. You just let the food speak for itself. But one time I had One slice, I had two slices of my chocolate cake to live for. And it's glazed with ganache, Mm -hmm. which is a very good chocolate. So I had plate in my left hand, plate in my right hand. I put them down and I said to these people, guess which one is vegan? And there was all this conversation about it, about the same cake. Yeah. So some of it is preconceived. Today, for years, my conversation has been, instead of defending, please try this vegan dessert. It's like, yes, it really is vegan. That baked Alaska really is vegan. I promise you. Or they'll say, you're not vegan anymore. (laughs) Right. Any information and details expressed during this podcast can be found at SproutRight.com or LeannePhillipson.com. Today on Eat This with Leanne, a chat with a vegan pastry chef. 
pastry chef Fran Kostkin. She's an internationally recognized as the innovative pioneering pastry chef who marries healthy eating with sumptuous tastes. Is there a recipe? I mean, you're talking about the chocolate cake. Is that what you would say is your most uh, successful recipe as you've uh, gone through this journey? I would say that it is my most popular recipe. It has been, you know, it's the one that's been around for 25 years. I'm a tinkerer by nature. So I like, Ooh, I want to try it this way. And there are, you know, so many different quality cocoa powders now, for example, yes. but I have really resisted. It's been changed very little over the year, just in terms of that. I can use a better quality plant milk, for okay. example, it's like it has a fan club. People write to me about that cake and not only vegan people, but I mean, pastry chefs of renown has said that cake really works. It's really good. Wow. And what we like about it is that instead of, well, this talks to what Chris was saying, instead of it being exclusive, if everyone can eat the same thing, and, as and, long and as what, it tastes good. What's in it instead of eggs, flour and butter? Nothing weird. Um, and the recipe can be found on my website, francostigan.com. Just Google or just Google chocolate cake to live for. Fran's okay. chocolate cake to live I'll, for. I'll definitely put, I'll put, that, will I'll come put up. that link and the recipe in the, so in the show notes. It's flour. You have a choice of using all 100% all-purpose flour. I prefer to use organic flours. That's a personal choice. Yep. Or the way I developed it with 50% all-purpose flour, 50% whole wheat pastry flour. You know, I'm not looking to get my nutrition from my cakes, but I found because of the things that weren't in it, I think it gives it a nice flavor. So either way, there's Dutch processed cocoa powder, which is alkalized cocoa powder. You want to use a good one or, and, and it's been made with supermarket brands and that's just fine. I think the first iteration of the cake, given when I made it, probably was made with maple sugar. I use that very rarely now. It's very expensive and I use it when the maple flavor is intact. So I use organic cane sugar. That's one to one. They're never pure white because they haven't been bleached or yep. filtered through bone char. And that's what makes sugar not vegan is the filtering. Mm -hmm. But the crystal is always larger than a white sugar crystal. So what I do, I don't like to stop and have to do things. I store, I'll rough it up. I'll rough up this sugar in the food processor, breaks down a little bit and oh, store it. And I interesting. write. Yes, <laughs> it's ready to go. Lightly ground what cane yep. sugar. So that's the standard, you know, dry ingredients. Baking powder, baking soda, those are your chemical leaveners, a bit of mm -hmm. salt. Yep. And then the liquid ingredients are because there was no margarine that I was going to use and there was no Miyoko's butter or any of the nice vegan butters. I developed my recipes using oils, Beller pressed oils. So way back in the day, I think I used canola oil, which now, unless it's organic, I won't use because it's yep. genetically Gen modified, GMO, right? Yeah. I use a mild tasting extra virgin olive oil. Mm -hmm. I'll use a punchy one if I'm making my olive oil cake, you know, my okay. Italian cake. My favorite oil now, I think it's almost buttery, is sunflower oil. Mm. You can use grapeseed oil too. Because right. oil, as you know, <laughs> because you, of what you do, oil is 100% fat and yep. butter has some milk solids. Yeah. So you use less 
oil. I would say use, if you're converting recipes, about three quarters of the amount that you would have for butter, use the oil. I use just enough so that you get a nice crumb. So it tastes like cake and not brown bread. Important. (laughs) Yes. So my, my batter based goods, my cakes don't have a lot of fat in them, but enough. I use maple syrup in that cake. Um, Mm. You know, it gives this moistness and I know where maple syrup comes from. You know more (laughs) because you're Canadian. Yeah. And it used to say grade B, but it seems the grading system changed because Americans don't like that B. They thought it was inferior. So the maple producers have changed that to grade A dark and then the oil and then some vinegar and vanilla. And it's so easy to make because it's, we call this in culinary school, the muffin method, dry, sifted into one bowl, measured carefully. You want to really do it right. Weigh your ingredients, liquid in another bowl. And then after you know your oven is preheated because you've got an oven thermometer in there and you're really doing the whole thing, the rack is in the middle. Then you combine the batter and you see that it's very active. There's a lot of bubbles. That's the leavening happening. You bake the cake. Even I could do that. Anyone can do it. If you can read. I'm not not that bad. (laughs) No, but I say this to people. If you can read and follow and willing to follow directions. Well, I have to ask personally, I love the sound of the chocolate cake. Chocolate. I'm I'm not much of a chocolate fiend, have to say. Uh-huh. So, uh, it like, how about like my favorite shortbread? Oh, shortbread! I lo- well, I love shortbread. I just love it, and it's super easy to make because shortbread is flour, sugar, and butter, right? Essentially, yep. essentially, yeah. We have really good tasting vegan butters now that make mm. beautiful shortbread. I have found the two main recipes for shortbread one calls for melting the butter yeah and one calls for cutting it in yep i like them both right but oh you can make vegan shortbread just <laughs> all you have to do is swap out the butter and use a, ve- a nice tasting vegan butter no, I, ha- I have not ventured too much into the vegan butters because i think when uh, when I first did my training, uh, so that was in the late nineties, then I was, you know, I was living in England and there was all those kind of like what you said, it's like all this stuff they're trying out to do. And it was probably mostly hydrogenated. And we learned no, nothing hydrogenated. It's like, well, right. what are we supposed to do? So I do believe that they've all come a lot further probably than, you know, me trying this over 20, over 20 years ago. So, Okay. I'm going to give it a go. I'm going to give it a go. And then I'm going to try it against something with real butter. Well, what you said is really key. You know, years and years ago, we didn't have a choice and I wasn't going to make shortbread with oil. It's just different. But now, you know, with aquafaba, do you know what I'm talking about? The liquid chickpeas? I haven't uh, jumped into that, but just before we get there, Chris, you wanted to say something? I was, my, what's floating around in my head is because you're talking about your to die for chocolate cake, Fran, and you're talking about baked Alaska. I was wondering if there's a holy grail out there. What, what, is there something out there that you have yet to perfect in the vegan circle? That you, yes. uh, that you, uh, you're, you're, you're trying and you're trying. And if you got there, it would be your Frankenstein monster, right? It would just <laughs> be wonderful. What, what, what is your Holy grail? What are you, what are you striving for? 
the holy grail for me, and I'm actually not trying to get there, <laughs> is angel food cake. Ah, Ooh, interesting. Fluffy, fluffy. Well, that cake is all egg white. It's, of course, you know, it's air. Air. Mm-hmm. And that's not something that, as far as I know, there are pastry chef, vegan pastry chefs out there who are doing much more complicated fine French work than I'm doing. My mission is to teach people foundational technique and go. Right. Um, One of my former students had her croissants, speaking of butter and, I mean, croissants are not easy to make, right? In a blind tasting with a French company. She's in Miami. It's called L'Artisan Vegan Creative Bakery, Carolina Molia. Her croissant won Best of Miami. <laughs> yes. And it's vegan. And it's vegan. And it's vegan. Can you imagine when the French chefs even. turned around? Mon Dieu. <laughs> <laughs> but Angel Food Cake, because of the nature of it, I think it can be done and maybe someone has done it. But I also have for myself, I'm keeping my ingredients pretty clean and natural. So I'm not the food police. I'm not saying people who are using other things are wrong. It's just not in my wheelhouse. Well, it really sounds like you're coming from the health, you know, the health aspect, even in changing to canola oil and then realizing that it's one of the you know, largest genetically modified um, Mm -hmm. crops in the world next to soy and moving away from that. That's something that I would uh, recommend for all of my clients to do and my lovely loyal listeners to really make sure that you are choosing well when you are getting organic and the reasons why. So I, I love hearing that even you know, though you're making the lovely sweet treats um, as I call them, you still have that health edge to it. And I think that's something that's really important rather than people saying, okay, I'm going to go and have the chocolate cake, or I'm going to go and have, you know, whatever it is that I fancy and feel so guilt ridden, it can still really have a health slant to it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think another way to think about desserts is they need to be absolutely delicious. You know, Hmm. if you, if you take all the things that make a dessert, a dessert out, your body's still craving it, I think. And you're disappointed. You keep going. But I think, you know, I serve smaller portions and fill out the plate with fruit. So yeah. my portion of chocolate cake might seem smaller than someone else's. I prefer a single layer tort. You can fool the eye. You know, you can put fruit on top of the cake. You can put crumbs on top of the cake. But I think that and a whole pile of fruit is a way to go. I make truffles, you know, from it's very easy to make a nice ganache. Ganache is just typically chocolate in a certain percentage, heavy cream, and maybe butter and maybe some other, you know, natural, whatever natural. I shy away from natural ingredients. Can make a really nice one using plant milk. I brought some truffles to a friend in Philadelphia. And she started laugh. She's like, they're not like golf balls. You know, they're, <laughs> it's like a two bite thing. Satisfying. And I mean, I've had students in other countries say, what is with you in the United States? Your muffin is really a cake for, for yeah. people. It's just masquerading as, as a full on cake, but it kind of apparently is called a muffin. It's, 
in, absolutely infuriating. And so many of my clients are like, yeah, I have a muffin every morning. <laughs> like, where do you get that muffin from? How does it taste? Because it really could just be a cake. Well, in, what's, in that mold. what's infuriating to you, Leanne, is very joyful for the rest of us. <laughs> probably, probably. But but only from more of the calling it a muffin. Right. <laughs> when it's really not like, you know, the the boundary between cake and muffin is a very gray, gray uh, you know, gray area. Now, I just want to circle back to what you were going to say about aquafaba, because that's not something I've really done too much with. And if anybody else was like, what was that that you just said, Leanne, make sure yeah. you go back there. I want to make sure we, we, go, we circle back to that. Aquafaba just means bean water. And evidently it was discovered by a French man named Goose Wobit about 10 years ago. Now, this has been written up in all of the major food magazines from Cook's Illustrated to Food and Wine. So it's not, it's a vegan thing, but they're all doing it. I don't think anybody knows exactly why it works, but it works. So because I'd gone to traditional pastry school, I was used to making egg white meringue where you take your egg whites at a certain temperature you add a little bit of cream of tartar. Yeah. You start beating them. You start adding super fine sugar until they hold a peak on the whisk. Yep. And then you can't, you can't overbeat them. And you better not taste them because you're talking about raw egg white. So I'd heard about aquafaba and I didn't really believe it. But one day I said, oh, heck, I eat a lot of chickpeas anyway. I like chickpeas. And I looked at the basic recipe, which is the basic, basic recipe is take a can of chickpeas, drain it and put the liquid into your electric mixer with a little bit of acid, like cream of tartar or vinegar or lemon juice and start beating. And I'm like, the pastry chef in me is saying, that's not very precise because some cans have two thirds of a cup of liquid. Some have three quarters, some have a half. I don't know, but I did it that day and it really blew me away. Then I have a freezer full of, you know, chickpea liquid and it's amazing. So you just follow the steps and you can taste it along the way. It's chickpea liquid. It's not egg Egg whites, whites. raw egg whites. Right. And you're making um, like whipped cream from it. You're making a really stiff meringue. And from that, so if you think about what you can do with a meringue, I'll put it on top of a lemon meringue pie and torch it. I have homemade 100% 100% whole wheat pastry flour graham crackers in my cookbook and in the course. People make s'mores. You know, they put chocolate ganache on the graham crackers, some aquafaba meringue. And when you torch it, it does what a marshmallow will do. Wow. Or you can use it as a base to make a French chocolate mousse. Awesome. I mean, there are things that will break it down. So, you, you know, you learn about that, but it's it's just amazing. Baked Alaska, you can assemble the whole thing and put it in your freezer and then torch it before you're ready to serve. That's, a, I would say, among the top five favorite recipes that has my students in essential vegan desserts screaming. Really? <laughs> like, oh, I always yeah. thought it was so hard to do. It's not hard at all. And wow, love it. And my family went crazy. My friends went crazy. They said, this can't be vegan. Amazing. That was my son's favorite birthday cake for years. Mm-hmm. I mean, I always made it for him growing up. And then, you know, after we became vegan and I didn't give him a sweet potato, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I give him baked Alaska now and he, he makes happy. it. Wow, that's amazing. 
And the I love how you've also talked through a little bit about the the sweeteners and the sugars, because I think that's a really tricky one for people who, even if they're thinking about doing maybe vegan baking and then they still get out the white stuff. So yeah. I'm, I'm always looking for, there's coconut sugars, there's the xylitol type ones, there's stevia, which just is not my favorite necessarily in very small, small doses. But a lot of people don't love that, don't love that taste that comes anyway. So what's the easiest one-to-one, would you say? Is it the cane sugar? Just switch it straight up from the white stuff to the cane sugar? Yeah, the organic cane sugar is one-to-one. And I think that these sweeteners, all the ones that you, well, the coconut sugar, the cane sugar that you mentioned, there is a slight, you know, flavor that enhancement, whereas, you know, refined white sugar, it's just sweet. So that is definitely one-to-one and it's going to make, you know, if you're doing a lemon cake or vanilla cake, it's going to give you the lightest color. I also use whole cane sugar, which is Sucanat is one brand of it or Rapadura. Mm. It's got all of the molasses that's inherent in the cane is there instead of brown sugar, which is white sugar with the molasses taken out and then they paint it back on or spray it back on. There are some organic ones now, but I'll use that. I like coconut sugar a lot. It's Mm -hmm. considered sustainable. Yeah. A little easier. Yeah. You know, but you, ha- but you have to do different things if you're going to use honey or maple syrup still. Right. So I divide it into the granulated ones, you know, like coconut sugar. I've used it in the chocolate yeah, cake. It's in it, my in the recipe in my books, for right? Family food. It's right. In, it's a, in it's the, a good one. The cookies and that are in there. It's lovely. So the liquid ones are a little more difficult and they they don't all work the same. So my right. favorite liquid sweetener is maple syrup. I use very little agave. And if you're going to use it, you want to use a pure one, not something that's been cut with corn syrup. I like rice syrup, and that's back from my macro days. Mm -hmm. But you can bake a cake with it, but you can make a cookie really crispy with it. I have a twill that's very lacy. You know, you think you get to know the properties of these sweeteners. And like, I want a cookie that's thin and crispy. Well, if I mix maple syrup and rice syrup, maybe that will happen. And it did. And they bend. My new favorite liquid sweetener for some things is date syrup. Mm, I haven't tried that one yet. I think I still have a have a jar of it in the in in my cupboard. So I had every intention, but not being a total baker, I wasn't sure it's still in there. (laughs) It's um in the Middle East, I mean, this is a really ancient food and dates are considered really helpful, especially mm-hmm. apparently for expectant mothers. I just learned that. High, high in iron. Oh, all, yeah. All, all dried fruit is higher. Right. Than, than so it's called Silan, S-I-L-A-N mm-hmm. over there. I like the date syrup or even sorghum syrup are really nice to swap out. Mm. And for me, rice syrup tastes a little like butterscotch. I like it. Yes, I have a couple of recipes in my book with brown rice syrup as well. And it and it's just great. You can't. It's what people ask me. Can I swap the brown rice syrup for honey or or maple syrup? And you can't. It's a very different. It's it's so much thicker. It's a my go faster granola bars. Um, mm. they need this, they need to stick together. So that's right. where the brown rice syrup really helps with that. If you just put honey or maple syrup, it'd be insanely sweet because brown rice syrup is not the glycemic index is right. so much lower. 
So there's that, but then just also the fact that it, um, it would just fall apart. It doesn't have that stickiness to it. Right. It does stick things together. I use, I make a kind of a vegan, I make a vegan honey, not kind of, I make a vegan honey by cooking rice syrup and maple syrup, cook it together and it will be sticky, but I don't use honey, not only because it's not considered vegan. vegan. I care about the bees. So I think about it, but it's just, it's so sweet. Well, you've honestly given us so much to think about and so much potential as anyone heads into the kitchen to think about, uh, you know, dabbling a little bit and trying something different from a, a vegan butter to a different type of sugar. And and also I, I definitely will put the cake recipe or the link to a cake recipe in the show notes on leannephillipson.com so everyone can give that one a go and put it out on your table and say, okay, which one is vegan? You that's me. I think that's uh, that, that sounds like fun. I like that. that. That's like a that great idea. idea. I love yeah. that. You yeah. know, and the other thing about these desserts is that for people, you know, they just fit for so many. Exactly. Okay, the vegans, but lactose intolerant, allergic yep. to eggs, they're parv, yep. and there's no cholesterol in any of these desserts. So I'm not telling you to eat a whole cake. Right. But the but fact it's, is, but it's really, really good. Oh well, thank you so much. Fran, for, for sharing your knowledge, I'm going to put a link also in the show notes to the classes that you offer. You just mentioned that a little bit as well, and also to your book, because I know you have so much more for anyone whose interest is peaked in terms of, uh, yeah, I think I'd like to give this a go. So thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much. And I want to hear about your shortbread. Oh, yes. <laughs> I'm going to, I'll share how my shortbread goes. Good. Definitely. Thank you. Bye. All right. So are you going to swap your butter for a vegan option? Absolutely not. No. But yeah, I mean, it it wasn't about it wasn't about turning me in that direction. But I will say that I will add. I will do some research. I will find yes. her book. Uh, yeah. I will find her website and I will do some research uh, just to experiment for my wife who this will benefit massively. Right. So, they, I mean, I, yeah. to be honest with you, I would love to be able to sit down at her next birthday and build oh. the to die for chocolate cake for her. Oh, you must. Absolutely. Oh, yes. Yeah. And to be that able That would be so awesome. See, it, it, and, and it's, it's so interesting how it's those little things that she will uh, um, appreciate the most, right? Is right. the fact that, that you know, he, finally, here is something yeah. decadent and sumptuous in the words of Fran yeah. uh, that I can have and I don't have to yeah. feel guilty and I don't have to feel bad about it, right? And that right. And physically feel bad, right? Not yeah. emotionally, physically feel bad. Her body yeah. will take it and it will digest it and her emo- the emotional side of her will love it and that yeah. is that's a win man absolutely and there are a lot of people that just don't feel great when they eat all of these things like right. it's it's kind of like a moment on the lips and then everything else that happens after that is just sometimes you think oh damn it wasn't worth it again because <laughs> you just don't feel great you know nope. and i've done that before and also from a taste standpoint but also you know, just ending up feeling kind of bloated and sluggish and tired yeah. or whatever, whatever the symptom happens to be. Um, 
and what I thought was really interesting that Fran said was about her allergies going away. Yeah. Just from taking out the animal, you know, I, I, I would be interested. Maybe she made a conscious decision to go plant-based entirely after taking dairy out. She said she kind of did that overnight, but I know a lot more people. I mean, dairy is the number one intolerated food on the planet. We weren't really supposed to keep drinking milk after kind of you wean off of your mom or, you know, after age two. So it doesn't really surprise me. Um, Or maybe it's like we've talked about in the past and even last week about regenerative farming is the milk has changed. It's not a two any longer. So would that help someone with allergies? You know, my brain goes to all these places as these things are talked about. But I think. I think there are other options. I'm going to give the the vegan shortbread a go just to as a little challenge Good. to see to see what happens. And I have tried to make um she talked about shortbread that where you make it with uh with melted butter and then also just cut in butter. Oh, I got a recipe from a Scottish tea house and it said melt the butter. Uh yeah, it said melt the butter and then I had to put everything else in and I thought this is wrong. And that's exactly why I don't bake. <laughs> Because it just, I know there are certain things I know about baking, but I was trying to mix up this shortbread and it was sloppy and wet. And I, and I just, you know what I actually did? I chilled it, chilled it overnight. And then I cooked it the next morning. Yeah. Because it just looked all wrong. Right. (laughs) So my, like I said, my zone of genius is not baking. So knowing that you know, having friends expertise and knowing that actually there is a shortbread where you melt the butter and then you add the sugar in and the yeah. flour in and, and you're doing it right. It just, I just, the I didn't have is, that experience experience. So I was like, ah, screw it. Not the, making that the problem is, is that the people that do it well, make it look so darn easy. Meanwhile, oh, God, baking is so very technical. Right. Fran said it herself, you know, you fall, you yeah. need to follow your directions. Cause once you find that sweet spot, you stay in that sweet spot. There is yeah. such, there's such thing as experimenting. Fine, but it will change the recipe. That's right. They make it look so darn easy. So when we mess up because we put in too much of something or too little of something, we just yeah. throw our hands in the air and go, well, I can't do it. I follow the directions. I can't do it. That's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah. When it comes to baking, that's been that's been how I've done it. And yet my daughter spent like eight hours making macaroons with her grandmother once and like, go. nope do not have the patience for it. I did not, I did not get that gene between my mom, one of my sisters and, uh, and my daughter, they can, they can have at it and then I'll just kind of nibble on it. Now, one thing that I did think about is perhaps a good place to start before you jump into changing all the things is realizing what is it about your baked your favorite baked, whatever it is that you absolutely love. And this, I think comes back to what you were saying, Chris, you know, my shortbread, I really don't have it very often. I have gone through a phase where I was probably having, you know, a square from the market every every day with a cup of tea in the afternoon, but it was sort of a comfort thing for a while. And then that dropped off and I probably haven't done that for about maybe six months or something like that. But there's something to it. There's a comfort to it. So maybe is that why you go and buy the bread or you, um, or you have the cookies or you have the butter tart because it brings a memory or something like that. So is it taste that you need? Do you need something sweet? Is it the comfort and that mm, kind of feel? Or is it habit like I was in every day at a certain time? I was like, oh, I guess great. It's two o'clock. I'm going to have my, my Earl Grey and my shortbread. Could I have stopped? Absolutely. Did I want to? No. Why bother? Because I knew eventually it would stop. So 
listeners, as you're hearing this, you know, what would be your motivation for trying to do something different to make it more healthy or, you know, just stick to the normal shortbread or stick to the normal chocolate cake? I think it's kind of, you know, I, I think it's probably tweaked some interest in a lot of people to be like, oh, well, maybe I will give it a go. Or maybe you're like Chris and you're going to make something for your lovely wife because she's the one who's always baking all of those kind of things. I can't wait to see the pictures of that, Chris. I think that's going to be amazing. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not a good, uh, I'm not good in the kitchen in the sense that uh, I I make dinners and I'm that guy. I I enjoy doing that sort of thing, but I create the ultimate mess. Like it it looks like (laughs) it. Looks like the atom bomb went off in the house when I do stuff. So everyone knows when right. dad's gotten, <laughs> has made dinner <laughs> because nobody wants to venture into the kitchen. Stay out or someone go take mom out and that's it. Come back in a few hours once I've kind of put the put the ball back together. <laughs> My wife and I have an ongoing, have this sort of ongoing battle, I guess, because she'll wander into the kitchen and she'll be like, will you not just clean up as you bake i said do you want and i'll just look at her do you want to eat you want if you don't yeah. like this you can make it yourself if you want if you want to eat then that's fine go sit down and i'll clean this up <laughs> afterwards she goes, well it just takes a few minutes and you can you can just imagine the conversation i can only imagine <laughs> yep it's just I an ongoing it. thing and it just it it's what makes us us <laughs> Exactly. And there are so many people that are identifying with both of you because some people do clean up as they go and other people don't. And I would say the same kind of thing for, you know, I don't know, woodworking, painting, like there's just all the things you either are that kind of person. I wonder if this shows up on a DNA test. Um, You know, you're either that kind of person or you're like, I'm really just not, you know, I just, I do, I make a, an absolute bloody mess. And then clean it up or get somebody else get the kids in to clean i cooked you clean exactly. you know there's there a lot of that go. going there's a lot of that going on as well <laughs> yeah we'll just look at each other and go let's go get in the hot tub kids clean up oh god yeah that's great i like that idea now like I said, figure out where you're going to go with this. And if you try to check out one of Fran's recipes, I'm going to put some links on the show notes and leannephillipson.com. I might pull out that uh, coconut milk scone now that I kind of have a bit of a taste for the scones, because honestly, it was really good. It's tricky. It's different and it behaves differently. So yeah, my inner perfectionist is like, oh, I remember how sort of sticky it was but it's still it turned out okay and as somebody that doesn't eat so many pastry type foods i'm gonna maybe keep to my faves but also yeah i think i'm gonna go for it with the shortbread now there definitely are some health benefits and i love that fran brought that to our attention as well so thank you so much to fran for doing uh for doing all of that as well and probably the one that i focus on is the sugar really trying to keep the sugar to absolutely either nothing or very low or maple syrup like she said so that was really helpful i I found that really great and gluten-free for me is another option that i'm going to try and explore or, you know, what about you? What will you try out? I don't know. Why don't you share with me on social media? Send a note through either of my websites, leannephillipson.com or sproutright.com. Social media handles are both Sproutright and Leanne Phillipson. I want to hear and even post a picture about what on earth it is that you're going to make. You're going to give a, give this a go. 
please share this episode, rate it, hit those five stars there so that everybody else knows that this is worthy of, of putting their AirPods in or going for a walk with it or, or even listening to the radio show that comes out every Saturday at 11 o'clock across Canada. As always, thank you to you, Chris, for your input. And, uh, and of course, your genius in editing all of this and putting it together so, so that we all get a really good giggle. I giggle after when I re-listen to it. And it does always make me smile, puts a smile on my face just instantly in a nanosecond. So thanks so much for being along. And uh, yeah, we've got some other new stuff coming up next week, something a little bit different. So wait until you see what I've got in store for you then. And in the meantime, please remember to eat this one mouthful at a time. 